Craft Beer Radio, episode 105, February 18th, 2008. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show dedicated to craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I'm Greg Weiss. And this is Jeff Bearer. And this week... We're doing uh, something we've been talking about for a while now. It is going to be our blind show. So we, I had Heather uh, pick some beers out of the cellar and fridge, gave her free reign of everything. I just told her, don't pick the vertical epics, don't pick the utopias, and uh, pick whatever else you want. So right. she picked us out uh, six beers. She already, already did the pre-show beer. And we have the second beer in front of us right now. We... Uh, can physically see it, but we know nothing else about right. it. Actually, this one we know came out of a 22-ounce bottle because she poured us both full glasses. <laughs> yeah. So next time we asked her to pour as much as she would get out of a 12-ounce bottle. And the answer is sealed in this envelope right here. Nice, clever idea. Clever, clever girl. I smell like a bit of a, a fruity hoppiness here. Yeah, I get a little bit of a citrusy hop. The color on this is uh, it's orange, slightly cloudy. It looks like an American Pale Ale with a uh, little bit of um, uh, you know caramel malt to it to give it a little bit of a sweet body. All right, down the hatch. The hops are very high in alpha acids. Yeah, very they, bitter. They, they kind of scrape your tongue a little bit. So you know, right now I'm trying to think, what beer is this? What beer is this? And my first guess would be it's the, um, the Stone Tenth Anniversary. Uh, it's it's hard for me to 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 pick out a beer right now. It's pretty cold too, so I'm gonna let it warm up. It does have a strong hop presence. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I'm going to do. I'm going to end, I'm introducing something new here uh, on Craft Beer Radio 105, our 105th episode. I'm introducing taking notes on the beer. That no, I'm so you're you're actually taking notes about the beer. Yeah. Okay. So that I can use them for later evaluation. Because sometimes, especially in like the barley wine show, we get... You're, you're almost turning this into a, like a real judging competition or session here, aren't you? Just trying to make some notes so I can remember certain mm-hmm. aspects about it. That's that's a brilliant idea. We should have thought of that it, 104 it episodes ago. It took 105 ago. episodes for us to get to this point. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, very hoppy West Coast IPA here. Yeah, the bitterness is still lingering. Let me uh, tell Heather to pull the rest of the beers out the fridge. That's a good idea. So. We have some emails and some news. Yes, we do. There's a great page of news. It's completely blank. Must not be very important news then. So Greg sent me this cool article today, and then I saw it like on three different websites after he sent it to that, that to me. And um, Sam Adams has has extra hops. And they're basically selling them at their cost. Any brewer who the shortage is really pinched and they can't get the hops they need. Uh, 20,000 pounds of hops. Uh, 10,000 pounds of East Kent Goldings. 10,000 pounds of uh, Tetnang Tetnanger from the Tetnang region of Germany. That's the one where like he goes to that small farm and, right. and smells hops every year. They're all pelletized and... Uh they're type 90 pellets, they say, for the 2007 crops. Exact same beers they brew their own beers with. The exact same hops they brew their The exact same hops, right. <laughs> and uh, all they're asking for is shipping and you know cost of the hops, and they're just giving it to other people who need it. But what they're going to do is they're going to say, see how many people need it, and if 
if it's less than, than 20,000 pounds, then they'll just give it out to whoever needs it. If it's more, then they're going to do a hop lottery. Mm-hmm. That's pretty cool to uh, get some of those hops out. I'm, it's kind of surprising that Sam Adams has a surplus of 20,000 hops. It's probably their contract. You know, They contracted for so much, so they were entitled to that much. And since they knew the shortage, they probably bought all their contract yeah. out this year. And then after they did their budgets, they're like, hey, we got some extras. And Jim's like being a great guy and giving them out. That's cool. It's really it's really good of them to do that. And it, I'm sure that the rest of the craft beer world, which already appreciates Boston beer a lot, mm-hmm. appreciates this, you know, to a great extent. So it's just really good, really good stuff. And I, I would love to see, say, Anheuser-Busch do the same thing. They have, I'm sure they have a boatload of of uh, Zots that they can give out. They're probably a little more in line, you know, buying for their budget, I would presume. We saw their, I mean, their hot fields. Right. And they use all that and they still buy some. That's true. So I would presume that they have a much better idea of how much hops they're going to use over the year than even Sam Adams does. So they probably don't have such a, you know, well, since they're massive size, they might certainly have a surplus of 20,000 pounds. But that's a much smaller percentage, I would think, than what Sam Adams is. You know, it is for Sam Adams. And then, you know, for like a lot of their sub-premium beers, they use, I'm not sure about any Hazard Bush, but a lot of macro brewers will just use hop oils to, to bitter them instead of, you know, real hops. But like the real hops are for their, their premium, like, right. like Budweiser and whatnot. They use real hops for so I take that back. I don't think this is stone anymore because it's not quite as intense. It's not really a double IPA. It's just it doesn't. Same. It doesn't. Yeah, I mean, it, the bitterness is lingering, but and I'm also getting an alcohol note too. This is relatively high in alcohol. I think probably in the seven range, but it, it could be probably on the seven range yet. But it's definitely an American IPA, and not a double IPA. Yeah, because it's got a lot of maltiness to it too. Mm-hmm. It's so hard. Now, now, drawing from, you know, knowing what I have in the fridge and whatnot, I would next guess that maybe this is the ballast point. I think it's an IPA. It's a big bottle. But this beer was really cold, and that one wasn't in the fridge. So I'm using a little... <laughs> I'm doing a little bit more detective work. So what was in the fridge that was hoppy? Oh, this might be uh, Rubicon IPA. I think that's going to be my new guess. I think this might be Rubicon IPA. What do you think this is hopped with? I mean, you're getting a lot of bitterness, but also there's, mm. a, there's a citrusy note at the end. There's sort there's of a little orange. Bit. It's hopped with definitely a high alpha hop. Um, it's not primarily Cascades or Centennial. Maybe um, maybe Columbus, maybe Warrior, Tomahawk, something like that. But then at the end, yeah, there's a nice citrusy that comes back in. It's just not pure alpha. Hmm. Um, so maybe they blended in some Cascade or some Amarillo or some Simcoe. Not, no, probably not Simcoe. So here's a question for Schnook? you. Schnook? Maybe some Schnook? Here's a question for you relating to this experiment. Okay. We always list the, the beers that we do on the website. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do that for the show or do you want to have people have to listen to go along with them? Oh, so it I'm doesn't not, matter. I'm not really sure. Probably list them. Yeah, I guess probably list them because you know, how are they going to taste what we're tasting? Right. So, yeah. Walk into your beer store, oh, grab a beer blindly, and drink it along with the show. Whatever it is will be right. <laughs> Do you want to reveal? Yes, let's reveal. We have about a quarter of the beer left, or a third of it left. Rubicon Brewing IPA. Very nice. <laughs> 
nicely done. That's only because I know what I have in my, you know, kind of know what I had in my fridge. Like I said, I tried not to um, look around and refresh my memory. So hopefully Heather grabs some things I forgot I had. Like the kid we did in the pre-show, I forgot that was in there. So that was a good surprise. Um, Probably the main reason I remember this Rubicon is because uh, Tom Schmidlin had emailed me yesterday and uh, wanted to know if we wanted some of this. I'm like, no, I have one, so you know, give it something else. And, and this is what it tastes like. It tastes pretty good. Yeah. I, I didn't think it was stoned because I have been enjoying it. <laughs> oh, hey, now. Oh, man, what a bird. No, I, <laughs> that's you know, more in reference to the fact that there's a thread on, on the uh, on the website about me and stone. I, I don't hate I kind stone. I like the thread of the website where the premise was where stone – is a good gateway beer because some people get into craft beer looking for f- intense flavors, like the whole beer advocate hothead right. phenomenon for a lot of, you know. And Stone does that very well. And then, uh, see, I, I was surprised you disagreed with the premise of his conversation because he, the way I understood what he was saying was once you go through and you try all the Stones and you develop your palate a little bit more, you look for more nuance. And that's when Stone just seems like the that stepping stone. And it seemed to flow pretty well with what you have talked about, but you disagreed, and maybe you can explain. The, the why. reason I disagreed was because I remember having Stone before I was really into craft beer, and still not liking it. And it was other beers that got me into craft beer, not Stone. And I always had the feeling that Stone was too powerful for me, too much. Okay. So that's why I disagreed with the idea that it was about getting into craft beer, because by all means, it was not. What I enjoyed getting and trying to get into craft beer. I, I guess. I mean, maybe I agreed with it because it was a little more true to my my development, where I wasn't, you know, a stone fanatic. But I, there was a point where, like, holy crap, these beers are what craft beer can be. Uh-huh. And I've learned now it's not the pinnacle of what craft beer can be. It's not all about straight out in your face flavor. But you know, arrogant bastard and stone I, ruination IPA and. Uh, Imperial style and things like that, you know, we're like, wow, that's that's just a different flavor. So maybe that's why I agreed with this uh, premise a little bit more because it was kind of. I think it's, me. I think it's a good premise. I just didn't think that it was necessarily true for for okay. my gotcha. uh, for my interpretation of it. I just I never really got it from the very beginning. It was just something I never got the whole stone phenomenon. Mm-hmm. I I respect it. I respect that people love stone. And there's there's a place for it, and and that it's been good for craft beer. Mm-hmm. So I certainly respect Stone as a company. I just don't enjoy their beers. Right. Okay. That good enough for yeah, you? It's good enough for me. <laughs> so yeah, we're drinking the Rubicon IPA, uh, the first secret beer of the day, and uh, it's a nice yeah nice IPA. Uh, love to know. I'm gonna have to look up after the show what it's hopped with because it's an interesting hoppy. Where the first sip was was pretty aggressive. Yeah, and then after first sip, it kind of mellowed a little bit, warmed up a bit too. You numbed. I think you numbed to some of the aggressiveness, yeah. and it just got tasted more full, well-rounded beer. It's a nice, easy drinker. It's got a full body. It's uh, really encouraging you to drink more. That the bitterness helps out with that a lot, obviously. Mm-hmm. But it, it's it's really good. Rubicon is a brewery in Sacramento, I think. I think it's right down the street from uh, Rick. Very nice indeed. So, should we move on? I think we shall. Okay, beer number two. It, uh, it's another orange, slightly cloudy beer. It looks like a 
another IPA from the definitely the another hoppy smell, citrusy aroma. A lot more uh, malt flavor to it, a lot more sweetness. Some some crystal malt, some caramel flavors in there, in the aroma. Yes, now I'm detecting it. At first, all I was getting was was hop, but yeah, now I'm, I'm seeing we we're getting some of that little bit so, of sweetness. Heather must be a closet hop head or something. Av, it's a lot more malty. Mm-hmm. It's not an IPA. If it is an IPA, it's an old one. <laughs> um, That's interesting. Okay, there, there is now. Now here's the bitterness. I'm gonna rip the envelope on right now. <laughs> now, now there's bitterness in the back. Uh, what is that? Okay, so it's sweet initially, bitter in the back. I'm almost getting like the flavor you get from honey. Not quite. Honey or, you know, like corn sugar, you know, some kind of adjunct fermentable. It has a very there's, there, there's light body, high alcohol. There's something but, sweet in there, extra. Yeah. I, I agree with you, that there, but I don't think it's honey because honey is more kind of a distinct flavor. Okay. But there's definitely a real extra sweetness there. Hit the end with a bunch of bitterness too. Mm-hmm. The the aroma still has that huge malt backbone in the aroma, and the flavor is more hoppy bitter. So it's, it's an interesting mix of the two. Okay, you have no idea what this beer is. What would you call? What style is it? I have called American IPA again. I mean, I think it's an IPA just because of the bitterness. Mm-hmm. Uh. But, I mean, it's really sweet up front, which is diff- definitely interesting. And then, you know, the other difference is that there's that that alcohol flavor that you get from something like honey. Something that's not, uh, you know, just from the barley fermentables. It's either from a cane sugar, corn sugar, honey, candy sugar, something Could like that. Could be a Belgian IPA? I don't I mean, I they're not nearly so. that strong. Yeah, I don't think so. I don't have any. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have any. So, I mean, I'm trying to figure out what this might be, and I'm not sure I have any real good guesses on this one. It's interesting that there's so much sweetness up front that, you know, as a counterbalance to, to a, a pretty aggressive hoppiness at the end. This isn't uh, an old... I got some old Stout's Double IPA, but I don't think that's this. I don't think it would taste like this. The aroma is what makes me think of that, though. But the flavor doesn't really remind me of it. Want to crack it open? Let's do it. Interesting. Karnak says, Speakeasy Double Daddy. Huh. So this is a double IPA. Speakeasy in San Francisco, California. We did their uh, old Godfather just last week. It's a very interesting take on the IPA because of that sweetness of mm-hmm. double IPA, I guess. Yep. I guess they had to. You, you know, know, of course. Now that I know it's Speakeasy, I want to say, yeah, it kind of reminds me of you know, like the Speakeasy IPA. It's just some of the character in there, some of the sweetness. Uh, Maybe their house yeast character or something, but you know that's just all post suggestion now. But right. now that I know it, I'm like, yeah, that that could be a speakeasy beer. I definitely could taste the alcohol in it. That thinks mm-hmm. makes me think it's double. Uh, I like, now we know, so there's yeah. no mystery anymore. Yeah, no mystery. We have a, a piece of news here that's pretty interesting. Port Brewing announced today 
this February 12th today, the Russian River Brewing Company will distribute ports beers in the San Francisco and Northern California regions. Wow. So basically, they're doing this little distributorship thing where anywhere that does Russian River can now order port brewing. So Tommy will ship it up to Vinny, and and then Vinny will ship it out through his wholesaler to the to the retailer. Who you know, you're already a Russian River uh, customer. You get Good to have, news. including Lost Abbey. Yeah, now that's. Oh my God. We can't say enough about how great Lost Abbey now, is. Now, my question is: at the brew pub in Russian River, are there going to be Lost Abbeys on tap with <laughs> with with the you know Asian beers, the the wild beers from? Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm moving to <laughs> I'm moving to Santa Rosa right now. <laughs> moving to your Eddie and Uncles of Bel Air. <laughs> oh man, so that's pretty cool. And it just seems like those guys are uh, always come up with these crazy little arrangements. They're unstoppable. Vinny, D, Tommy, v- uh, Sam. I would love to just like have four or five cases full of Lost Abbey, just so I could have it for my own and hug it. I was telling you a little bit. Hug it uh, and sleep with it and call it George. <laughs> I was telling you a little bit before we were recording that um, listener Jeff from Australia, he's in France for business and he took the train up to Brussels the other day and he toured Cantillon. And uh, we'll put, I'll put a link up on the show notes of his um, Picasso web gallery of, of the brewery. It, it's hardcore, Lambic Brewery. I mean, there's cobwebs and all the stuff you, can, you hear about. And he showed us some pictures. There's this wall where they're aging here actually it's my wallpaper on my computer let me open it up so you can see it okay this this i gotta see it's just this wall of stacked bottles that are conditioning it's the organic goose and a different uh, goose <laughs> isn't that a great picture that is a great picture and like you know, they're, they're all stacked sideways so all you see is the bottom of the bottles we can see the t- uh, in the row right above them you can see the caps from the bottles that are pointing yeah. the opposite direction so it's it's hardcore. I mean, there's like thousands of bottles of beer on the wall there. It's so if you and, want to, and was it those are 2001? Did it say 2007? I think so. 2007 and, and uh, no, I think it was seven and an eight or something like that. So they're conditioning still. But I'll link to Jeff's web gallery if you want to check out some pictures from Cantillon. It's pretty cool. I'm jealous. And then he posted a picture of some Belgian waffles with fruit on top and chocolate. And I'm just like, oh. we got to take a trip. Yeah, I know. Tell me about it. <laughs> See if Yarko's Belgian. Okay, so ready for the third mystery beer? Yes. And we're back. Well, Greg and I were just talking while Heather was getting the beer. That th- this is a lot of fun, not knowing what the beers are. Our comments are completely different because it's hard because you're not sure exactly what to look for. Right. That, that's the thing is that when we do the show mainly and we're, we're going through a different style, we're very aware of what we're supposed to look for in a particular style. Now, one thing that be seems to me is that we're not digging as deep. We're kind of just doing the obvious attributes and then trying to guess what it is. So I'm going to make a more better effort to try to go a little bit deeper like we normally do. In analysis, again, I do think that it's going to be hard because when we do that, we rely on what we know about the style. And but we've known the style both these times so far. I mean, pretty close. Well, know. we've guessed what it was going for. Right. I mean, the main thing we don't know is the brewery's name and reputation. So I think we can still go as much detail. Yeah, is that a little smoke on this? One? I think I'm smelling smoke on this one. So Heather grabbed a couple of smoke beers and a couple of IPAs so far. <laughs> 
I'm definitely getting some smoke, and I'm like, I'm really stumped because I'm like, what other smoke beers do I have in the fridge? Okay, so it's a dark uh, kind of reddish brown, pretty clear reddish brown, very wispy head on it, thin head, but the bitterness at the end, the kind of, ooh, whoa, whoa, what's that? Almost, a, it's almost a vanilla taste there. Do you taste that? Yeah. It seems like it's fairly high in alcohol. Getting a lot of alcohol evaporation from the be- actually from the beginning of the taste the whole way through. And uh, yeah, vanilla. I don't really taste an oak though, but you know, it's kind of like the alcohol and oak flavor you get from like a bourbon type something, but I'm not really tasting much bourbon or oak. It's just kind of the alcohol and the vanilla from it. And a lot of bitterness. And a lot of bitterness at the end. My glass kind of was sitting there just accumulating alcohol aroma or alcohol vapors. And I took a whiff and it was just like, and it was just like, clean out your sinuses, alcohol. <laughs> well, maybe I should give it a try then. Wow, yeah. That is. Lots of evaporation of the alcohol. I'm going to cover up the glass a little bit though, let it get really potent just for fun. Agitate it just a little bit, trap all the vapors. Maybe too much, but so this must be a high alcohol beer. I can already feel it. You know, I had two, three sips, and man, it's hitting me. Yeah, I, I, I have no idea what this is. If I was wagering a guess, maybe it's the Vigorosa, uh, the the one the the Brazilian uh, brewery that I have a beer from. I think I still have their smoked smoked. What is that? Do you do you, do you taste what's smoking the taste though? Maybe a bit at the beginning. Yeah, maybe it's there. I don't know what no, those... You know, there's a ton, I haven't mentioned it, but there's a ton of hops in this beer, too. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's very bitter. It starts off with a lot of hops. Uh, kind of piney, maybe. So maybe like some schnook. It's going fast because I keep taking little sips to try to figure out where the flavor's from. Another thing that Greg and I mentioned in the break was we're tasting these blind... But we're not going to judge them blind. Right. And some people might have some issue with that. So maybe the next blind show we'll do, we'll do blind until the end. It'll be hard. It'll be very hard because I want to rip this envelope open <laughs> right now. See, this beer is tasting hoppier and hoppier and less smoky. Oh. My guess for this one? Burton Baton from Dogfish Head. Which one is that? It's the Oaked IPA. It's a little bit of old school, a little bit of 90-minute blended together. You know what? I think that's a very good guess. That's my guess for this one. That's, uh... And this, uh, actually, this if it is that bottle, the bottle's a little bit older, and the oak has diminished significantly from fresh bottles of Berton Baton, and I think it's much better. Because, actually, it was sitting in there for so long because I didn't like the oak IPA when I had it brand spaking green. It's probably, I mean, because the, there's definitely IPA hoppiness in there. Mm-hmm. And there's this oaked vanilla flavor. Mm-hmm. Let's see if you're right. Final answer? No. 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 This is Mad River John Barleycorn Barley Wine Ale. Wow. The one we almost had last week. Um, let me ask Heather which year this is. Okay, so this is actually the uh, the one we were thinking of drinking last week, but we didn't. <laughs> wow, I mean, now now that you say barley wine, I can pick it out. I can pick out that sweetness. 
you know, it's coming at the end. I still think there's vanilla <laughs> yeah, in there. Yeah, now it tastes just like a barley wine. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't taste like a oak IPA anymore. It tastes just like a barley wine. Well, it's hoppy. It's very hoppy mm-hmm. for barley wine. That's funny. This is a great format. I, I, mean, I hope it carries out and it's a good listening format. But for us, I mean, it's been a long time since I've had this much fun. I mean, I shouldn't say that because I have a ton of fun every week. I love doing right, the show. Yeah. But this is just new and exciting. 10.8% alcohol by the way. There's a lot of alcohol. I mean, we could do like year. six or seven or eight beers this way. It's just I like, know. Bring it on. <laughs> In some way, we, I mean, we're getting some high alcohol beers, so, so we're starting to get a little bit impaired, but it's even more fun. <laughs> So that's John Barleycorn. That's tasty. The, the thing that, that I think helps for the fact that we're going to be ranking these later is that now we know what they are, and so we kind of know how to rank them, the taste versus for the style. Yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. This is like the first one we would have probably I, – I wouldn't have ranked it as a barley wine. Um, West Coast barley wine? Sure, it fits in. But when I'm tasting it blind, I was seeing it from a different angle. I was seeing it from that hot bitterness and not really picking up on the malt. Now, all I can taste is the malt. Yeah. Now, it, 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 it changed my perception completely when I heard it was bottle wine. Now, it's all that sweetness coming through that I was thinking was kind of vanilla and oaky. That's crazy. I mean, because, yeah, I was tasting bitter hops, bitter hops, bitter hops. Now I'm tasting malt, malt, malt. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, let's go on. Let's do another one. All right. Bring it on. So Heather was, you know, before the show, she was asking me, you know, how do I figure out what order to serve these to you in? And I'm like, well, light the dark, low alcohol high, uh, lagers before ales. But, you know, not all that information is on all the bottles. And she doesn't know all the styles and if they're light or dark. Uh, so I have to tell her, barley wines come last <laughs> next time. This is a pale yellow beer with about a finger's worth of head. And I'm not, very clear. Yeah, very clear. I'm not getting any aroma from it. Maybe a tiny bit of malt, but I'm not really getting anything. Oh, I'm getting a nice little aroma off it. I mean, it's subtle compared to what we've been drinking. So definitely, my nose this, is kind of stuffed up too. So take that into account. Yeah, this should have been the first beer, but we really can't blame my my pregnant non beer geek wife, right? And so, so let me see here. I can really dig into this. This is a um, golden ale, or I don't think it's a no. It's not an alt beer. There's no pilsner malt in that. It's a it's a sweetness to it. So it's um, some caramel malt to get it just a little bit of color and sweetness in the aroma. Yeah, I'm still detecting like nothing. I'm getting no, very clear air. There's a little bit of pale malt in there. A little bit of sweetness. I think there's a touch of caramel. There could be a hint of pilsner, but I'm not getting any of that DMS or sulfurness. It's just this nice little malty breadiness. Maybe even like a hint of Vienna or something, but the color really doesn't suggest that. It's a really nice golden beer. Now, the flavor is not what I was expecting. It's a lager. Is it? It's bitter. It's bitter. It might be Pilsner. It's it's not crisp, though. It's true. It has some, it has some esters in there. And That's some, true. Yeah, so it's probably an ale. Yeah, yeah, now that I think about it. I mean, the first thing, I was getting kind of a bit of a of a... Of a twang, I thought, but no. Mm-hmm. Now, now it's much more ailey. 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 The um, temperature on this is a little bit on the warmer side, so I think it's probably came out of the cellar. I'm not really sure what it's this bitter. is. Though. It's bitter. Oh, yeah, another bitter one. Yeah. Heather likes the bitter beers, I guess. Now, the aroma... The aroma... It's, is got, fr- it's, got, it's got a fruitiness to it. The aroma's familiar to me. 
So I don't have to access the database. So I've had this beer before. I you think. have. I'm pretty sure I have. The aroma is certainly fleeting, though. It's the more I the more I agitate, the less I smell. So I got to cover this beer up and try to capture some aroma as it comes off the beer. I got that one. Didn't, that I didn't have help. one I working just, nostril. I just smelled hands after that one after covering the beer up. Yeah, the more I taste, the more I'm tasting the fruitiness, the obvious ale bits of it. So, you know, this beer is definitely, uh, it's so familiar to me, but I'm still not able to place it. Um, yeah, it's not a lager. It's um, it's either like in a golden ale. It's not Belgian at all. It could be a really light IPA, but the hoppiness really isn't there. Just some it bitterness. There's a bitterness, but it's not a huge amount of overt flavor hops. Oh, see that aroma is oh, it's so familiar. What is that? Clipper City. It's reminding me of Clipper City. So you think this is a golden ale? But I don't know what I have from Clipper City. It's a golden ale. But I, the aroma just for no good reason. It's just one of those cause and effect things. I smell it and I thought Clipper City. Maybe this is a pale. This might be a pale ale. It could be. I think this would. I think this would probably qualify because it's mm. got a bit of fruitiness. It's got a bit of hoppiness. It's not overbearing. APA. Yeah. Yeah. APA. So, do you want to crack open the envelope? Let's do it. You want to open this one? Yes, I do. Well, he makes it more auditory or <laughs> auditorily stimulating. And the Oscar goes to Lost Abbey Devotion Ale. Really? 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 <laughs> now we're going to love the beer, right? We're going to be like, oh my god, it's the best thing ever. It's still kind of... What is the devotion supposed to be? Well, I'll have to look this one up. Definitely not my favorite Lost Abbey. I mean, it's... uh you said didn't did you say at some point there was a little bit of Belgian character to it? I, I said no, there's not much Belgian to it. Or not Belgian. I was like I was thinking like Belgian golden ale, but this is supposed to be a Belgian pale ale. You mentioned pale ale. Yes. But a Belgian pale ale is I mean, the most popular Belgian pale ale is Fat Tire. Right. And that has some more caramel to it, some more maltiness. Uh this is a lot this is like a golden ale. Hmm. Wow, way to go, honey! <laughs> Ouch! Breaking out the uh, the lost Abbey for us. That's yeah, that's surprising. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, now that I took another step after I know what it is. It didn't change like the John Barley yeah. one did. Yeah. It, it's it's the same thing. Yeah, I mean, in terms of lost Abbey beers, this has got to be my least favorite of the bunch. If we would have had this, no, it's it's a good drinker. It's, it's a good drinker. I'm not saying it's not a bad beer. I'm just saying, like, if we w- every single lost Abbey beer we tasted in the show 84 or 83, she did a great was. job putting in like yeah. one of our favorite breweries. Yeah, we would have we would have been like, oh, this beer, oh, we would have loved this beer, oh, oh, oh. and I don't know. she gave it to us blind. I, I mean, I'm just saying, there's a possibility that we both could have really put this beer on a pedestal if we knew what it was before we tasted it. That's true. 
It's true. It is there is that possibility, and this beer. So Heather, it's not, is, it's not a bad beer, but I didn't stretch the imagination. But beer advocate, what gives it a B plus? I give it a B. Yeah, B. It's it again. It, it's not out of all the Lost Abbey beers. This is the most regular, the most non. I mean, I'm surprised it's a it's a Belgian yeast in there. Aren't you? I mean, I'm yes. really surprised it's Belgian yeast. There's Remember, the much... first thing I said was lager. I mean, the first thing I tasted was a little bit of twang. Well, I mean, actually, you know, Belgian pale ale, I'm not an expert on the style. And, and Fat Tire, but, you know, Fat Tire doesn't put much yeast character into it. It's a pretty clean beer. Right. So maybe Belgian pale ale is a lagery type ale, right, where the yeast are minimal. The yeast character is minimal. Um. Uh, Oh, that that's awesome that, you know, we got blindsided with the Lost Abbey and we weren't all... That's what the show's all about. Mm-hmm. Well, the only thing that makes me think is bring on the next one. What can she do now? <laughs> so, like, every beer looks like a... Oh, my... Mine has, like, clouds. <laughs> yeah, just... Mine has clouds in it. There's cumulonimbus clouds of yeast in my beer. To me, like, I, t- I just told Greg, you know, all these beers... Actually, this one doesn't look too much like an IPA. But like everyone, they just had that slight bit of cloudiness to it. They had either yellow or golden or orange, and like, but uh, no, this one looks different. And look, it's like crystal clear here, and I have this stratification of. I see it. Yeah, it's like it's like a tornado almost. It's crazy. (laughs) It's a yeast tornado in in his glass. The only thing I can smell is a bit of lemon. Can you smell that? I'm smelling. It's yeah. It's it's like a it's a hefeweizen or it's a wit beer or hmm. This is just from aroma, not from flavor. Um, maybe some other kind of Belgian in there, but maybe a saison. I'm pretty sure there's a wheat beer. It's a little bit on. Oh, you tasted it? Yeah, it's certainly a wheat beer. Ooh, interesting. There's this like um. Slight hint. I don't want to say this because it because we use the same adjective elsewhere. Right. We always say caramel, but this one has a slight hint of like caramel flavor to it, like real caramel, not caramel crystal malt flavor, but like real caramel. I mean, this little flavor of it just just fleeting in the end of the flavor, and that's what really caught me as a signature flavor in the first sip. I'm going to have to disagree with you, Jeff. Okay. I don't taste that. Uh, I taste a lot of lemony wheat. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is probably a Hefeweizen, not a wit. I disagree. Really? I don't think it's a Hefeweizen. I think it's... There's not enough pepperiness to it. Well, see, I don't think that she necessarily swirled all the all the yeast into it and got it in there. Mm-hmm. That's the risk we run. Yes. I, I still am not convinced it's a Hefeweizen. The, the reason why I say if that it is If it is a Hefeweizen, it's something like the Anheuser-Busch, right? It's Well, to me, I mean, because it does, it, it's lacking the yeast. It's lacking that peppery character. Mm-hmm. It's lacking those phenols you get from the yeast. But that just might be Heather not knowing necessarily to pour the yeast into a Hefeweizen. Other than that, I mean, it, it, there's a little bit of levity character there, maybe slight orange levity, but 
It's there. There's there's wheat. I'm really so enjoying kind of like that. Crystal vites, you know. I'm really enjoying that lemongrass type flavor that's yeah. in here. And lemongrass is actually pretty accurate on this one. A crystal Weizen. Well, Man, look where you pull that from. <laughs> but well, I don't disagree. I don't think it's a crystal Weizen because we saw the yeast. But of it, it has that clean flavor right. and some of that lemongrass flavor. Right. It's not very uh, peppery or clovey or banana. There's no banana. There's no pepper. There's no right. clove. It, it's all kind of like what you get out of a wit beer. But it's softer. It's more weedy than a wit beer. And there's no real obvious coriander in it. Exactly. That's why I'm thinking more hefe than, than wit. Can, didn't this really this can't be it. an American wheat, right? I mean... It, 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 it feels more like a German wheat. I mean... I'm thinking more Belgian. I'm thinking like a wit beer. I'm thinking it's a, a lightly coriander... Or no coriander wheat beer. I'm, I'm, it, I, but I, I just wanted to bring that up in conversation to to eliminate American wheat beers, and we both agree that it's probably not an American wheat. Probably beer. Probably not. I mean, it really lacks a lot of hoppiness too. It, it's the least bitter beer of the night we've had so far. Hefeweizen. Mm-hmm. You had a point. If it had more yeast, it might be more peppery. So I will consider that. But I still think it's it's a. I think they use a Belgian yeast instead of a, a, a German Hefeweizen yeast to brew this beer. You're cracking it open? Well, let me see. Karnak says. <laughs> Karnak says. A wit, a bit, and a twit. <laughs> Karnak says Russian River Imperial Stout. Okay, Karnak's obviously wrong. <laughs> oh, man. Now the Oscar goes to Boulevard Unfiltered Wheat Beer. American wheat. <laughs> American wheat. It's a very old American wheat, but it still tastes good. It's just confusing as all right. hell, ain't it? Well, I mean, I think this is a half of ice. I think if you would have put the yeast in there, you would have gotten more pepperiness. Uh, Boulevard's American wheat. It's not a half of Okay, that's true. That's true. But it's a good beer. I mean, it's tasty. And now my first sip after knowing it's American wheat it doesn't taste as fruity. Tastes more weedy. Tastes more like an American wheat. <laughs> this show. We don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, That's what this show. This proves. show's gonna destroy us. <laughs> <laughs> Our listenership's gonna go down to two. All right, I think we should do one more beer. Sounds like a plan. Right. I'm still enjoying this boulevard, though. I'm not ready to hang up okay. the shoes yet. Well, we have some more news. There are three finalists in the 2008 Wine and Coop Beer Drinker of the Year. And I am disappointed to say that I don't recognize any of the names. They don't email us regularly. I don't think I've ever... No, none of these have ever, ever emailed me. So I emailed us, I would dare to say. Shame on you. That's true. I mean, how can you be Beer Drinker of the Year and not be... Craft Beer Radio fam like Tom Schwindlin, who was obviously the, the best, best beer, drinker beer drinker of the year ever. Clearly. Yes. Richard Pedetri Allen, who is a recording producer and an avid home brewer, is number one. J. Mark Angelus, whose first name is J. Huh? <laughs> He's a semi-retired <laughs> the letter prosecutor. J. Must as well be like the number four. Right. And Matt Vensky. 
who is an aircraft maintenance manager. None of these guys really work in... No, but but listen to their, some of their exploits here. Richard has visited over 100 North American brew pubs, won numerous homebrewing awards, and owns over 7,000 beer coasters. Mark, J. Mark, has uh, last year sampled 916 beers, visited 68 breweries, and attended nine beer festivals. Matt, on the other hand, has visited 454 breweries in 16 countries in 39 states, logged 3,000 miles in 2007 visiting breweries. What, so visiting breweries makes you a beer trigger of the year? It, you got to know something. Like Tom Schmidt will tell you, you got to be smart. You got to know your beer. No, Tom said, Tom said we should enter. Tom, you're... You're way better than us in terms of beer. Believe me, you, you would. I'm sure. It's, it, no, it's not. Now, to be fair, just the contest is not all about being the most scientific beer geek in the world. Right. It's about experiences and just having fun with the whole thing. So, you know, maybe I would be a good candidate or you would be a good candidate. You'd probably be a better candidate than I would. I mean, you know more about it than I do. Probably. I mean, Tom was a, an exception, right? Tom was the guy going to school for yeast, you know, microbiology studies, right? right? So, I mean, he's been the most geekiest beer geek or beer drinker of the year. And Tom, we're sorry if we, you know, if, if you're kind of, you know, I, I don't know, just you don't like the fact that we just keep bringing you up. But, but you know, Tom's, Tom's the beer drinker of the year who emailed us. Yeah. Right. So I was just like, so cool. He's our man. <laughs> he would have never won if he didn't listen to Craft Beer Radio. Yeah, I think that's true. Absolutely. So for those of you who aren't familiar with the Beer Drink of the Year, it's a competition that Wine Coop Brewery puts on every year. They're in Denver, Colorado. The Drinker of the Year wins free beer for life at Wine Coop, $250 of beer at their local brew pub, and they get clothing proclaiming that they're the 2008 Beer Drinker of the Year. And their name is inscribed... On the beer beer drinker of the year trophy. I remember when I when I first heard about this on the show. I think it was you know it must have been episode like twelve or thirteen. I poo pooed it. And I thought, eh, that's just silly marketing. But now I love the concept. Sure, there's some marketing from Wine Coop, but it, it it's taking you know what we take pretty seriously. But they also have a lot of fun with it. There is right. a Jeopardy round. There's a song round. You have to sing a song about beer. You know, they, actually. Attending the rounds of judging would be a lot of fun. It would be a lot of fun. We could record it or something. We should we ask Wine Coop about that. Send out your emails. There we go. All right. Let's do our next best. Let's do our final beer of the night Boulevard American Wheat. Who would have thunk it? We both said, Is this an American Wheat? No! Oh, it's something else. Well, this is different. Okay, so the last beer of the night is a porter or stout. I would say maybe porter because there's a little bit of highlights in the bottom of the glass. Almost no head. We know this because it's dark. Oh, you know what? I think she might have... Um, I have a guess. I will tell you if I change my guess later on, but I'm not going to reveal the beer just yet. Because I want Greg to taste it first. Some caramelly dark notes from it. I have a pretty good guess, and... The things I smell in the aroma match my expectations. So I'm curious whether Greg's going to pick up on some of these things before I do. Or like, I mean, like before I say them to him. Was it a stone beer? It's not a stone beer. <laughs> but on the aroma, I mean, caramelly dark, anything else? 
Again, my nose is kind of stuff. Okay, so. so I'm getting some dark fruit and some raisin in there. Fair amount of dark fruit. So just from aroma and knowing what um, I have, I have a pretty good guess on this one already. And the flavor backs it up. Very strong fruitiness. Strong fruitiness. Medium strong body. It's not a completely full body. And there's lots of raisin in the aftertaste. And this this uh, thin juiciness, this wininess that, that finishes up the yes, light aftertaste. Yes, you're right. There is that kind of... Uh, I know exactly what the beer this is. You do. I do. But uh, Heather bought it for me for Valentine's Day. So... It just came into my house just the other day. Really? Yep. Well, that's nice of her. Yes. Now, I'll be putting my foot in my mouth if it's not the beer I'm presuming. I, I don't want to reveal it yet. I want to, Greg to drink a little bit more first. It's a bit of bitterness in the back, but yeah, I mean, mostly I'm getting a, 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 get a sweet, dark fruit up front. Mm-hmm. A little bit of plum, actually. Yes. Uh, yes. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, that's that's good. There's a lingering sweetness in the back, too. Okay, so I'll give you a hint. All right. You've not had this beer, but you've had this beer's inspiration. Eh? Yes. This beer's inspiration. Yes. I still have no idea. All right. There's a lot of, I mean, a lot of fruitiness here. Uh, more, I mean, because, you know, in, in a porter or a stout, you expect, like, maltiness. Mm-hmm. Here you're getting a lot of fruitiness. So what's your guess on the style? God. Uh, I mean, it tastes more porter than a stout to me. Mm-hmm. Um, How's it different from a normal porter? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to, like, talk you through this, like, say, like, <laughs> solve your own puzzle. Right. Uh, what do you, what were you tasting? I mean, when the, I think of porter, I think more raisiny. This is like I said, more plum, more. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not much roast, right? Right. It's all dark fruit. It's all dark fruit. Yes. Okay. What kind of porter has a lot more raisins and plums than your average porter? Watch him watch me be wrong and be a complete <laughs> dick here, but. Um, <laughs> What kind of porter? I, I don't know. What kind of So porter? there's three kinds of porter, right? There are. There's a Baltic porter. There's a... Mm-hmm. Um, robust porter. Robust porter. And brown porter. And brown porter. So... This would be robust? Baltic? Baltic porter. I would say Baltic porter. This is... this. Is, you have not had this beer, but you've had the inspiration okay. of this beer. So go how ahead. How many Baltic porters are there, Greg? Come on. There's I like have no three. idea how many Baltic <laughs> there's porters like there are. There's like three. My guess is this is the, uh, from Victory, the Baltic uh-huh. Thunder, the Picunos Hammer recreation from Heavyweight. Oh, really? That's my guess on this one. Really? The Picunos Hammer? I think this is the Baltic Thunder. Here's the envelope. Do I see Baltic Thunder? Roman beans, Soylent Green, Green Beans. Sorry, Jeff. No. You're son of a bitch. Southampton Imperial Porter. Oh. Oh. Screwed. Wow. 
You're way wrong on that. It's an imperial porter. Same thing. Just about. <laughs> They're traditionally Baltic porters are made with lager yeast, Imperial porters are made with ale yeast. But Pecunus Hammer was made with ale yeast. So Yeah, okay. So I mean you could definitely tell that this is a strong porter because like because like we said, fruitiness, fruitiness, fruitiness. Big I completely forgot I had Southampton in the fridge. Son of a gun. That's good. Very tasty. All right. Well, we've done six beers this show. Okay. Do you have any idea how you're going to rank this thing? This is tough. Um, wow. There's a lot of great... I mean, I don't think we had a bad beer tonight. No, you know? we're all good. Uh, well, you know what? Okay. All right. I just well, that just it. makes me sad. My number six beer. That yeah. makes me really sad. It does make me sad, but I think I'm, I think I agree with you. Okay, let me go first. Number one beer, I'm going to put Southampton. I thought it was uh, Baltic Thunder, the uh, Victory's version of Pecuna's Hammer, but I was a bit wrong. Probably needs a little bit more plum actually than than what we tasted. Uh, but it was a very good beer. It was engaging, and dark, and mysterious. So black. And so poor. Um, very good stuff. All right. Number two, I'm going to put. I don't Matt. Oh, Mad River. Um, Mad River, John Barleycorn. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to put him number two. He's a really close tie with number three. But um, even though I completely miscategorized him, <laughs> after I knew it was a barley wine, it was a lot of what I was looking for last week in barley wines. A little too hoppy, but a lot of what I was looking for last week. Number three, the Rubicon IPA, the first one we did. Right. It was a good, solid IPA. Number four, I'm going to put the Boulevard Wheat. This was a wheat that was best by 2006. Okay? Okay. It was a wheat that we said, there's no way in hell it's an American American wheat. But I enjoyed the flavor to that. It was complex. It was different. And I'm going to put the old expired Boulevard is number four. Number five is a speakeasy. And I'm going to have to put Lost Abbey. It's number six, the Devotion Ale. The uh, speakeasy was the Double Daddy, the Double IPA. And the Lost Abbey Devotion Ale, a Belgian Pale Ale, nothing wrong with it. But in this, Good li- drinker, just- in this list tonight, it was really the most subtle and just, it was the best session beer, just the pastime beer, you know? It was, I was surprised. I agree with you at last, but my my difference uh, in order is is striking. I think number t- my number one beer was our second beer. I think the uh, Speakeasy Double Daddy. Okay, I enjoyed that that really sweet initial stuff, and then the bitter in the back. Um, you know that sweet aroma it had really really nice. Uh, my number my number two beer was I think the John Barleycorn. I like that vanilla taste I was getting at first. Then it was, oh, a body wine. Oh, that's where that taste is coming from. It's that maltiness. Uh, bitter, high alcohol, but really good. So that's, uh, that's my number two beer. Number three, uh, the Rubicon. Strong citrus, orangey, bitter, but uh, delicious. Number four beer would be the, uh, the Porter, the Southampton Imperial Porter, which we're drinking right now. I love it. I mean, the plum is great, and mm-hmm. mm. <sighs> that's good stuff. 
That bottle is a bit on the old side, and it hasn't oxidized. It hasn't spoiled yeah. at all. So they had good bottling techniques. That reminds me, before, finish your rankings, and I am going to talk about something real quick. My number five would be the Boulevard Unfiltered Wheat. And I really did like it. It just, I don't know, the other beers just seemed to stand out a little bit more for me. Maybe the age actually took a toll for you. It's possible. You know, if, if I was picking beers, I wouldn't have judged the Boulevard anymore because we got it so long ago. But in my opinion, for as old as it is, it still tasted really good. And it actually had more complexity than a fresh one, I think. Maybe. It's, it's possible. And my last beer is, again, I mean, we talked about how much we love Lost Abbey, how we, you know, we're smooching over Lost Abbey, right? We think that uh, – we both agreed that Lost Abbey was the, was not the, was, was the final beer of the night. I mean, it wasn't a bad beer. No, certainly not a bad beer. But it just – it did – it. It didn't stand up to these It wasn't beers. as engaging. Yeah. Certainly. So I wanted to talk a little bit about how um, the Indiana Beer Show, how we were all apologizing about spoiled beers. We got a feedback this week that um, actually made a lot of sense. It's not our fault. It's not Brett's fault about beers that were soured. The only way a beer can sour is if it wasn't clean when it was bottled. I mean, that's true. It's Oxidized beers, yes, our fault. Soured beers, not our fault. So he, the listener, I'm sorry, I didn't write down your name, says those breweries deserve what they got if they gave you sour beers. Even if it's five years old, it shouldn't be soured. I kind of agree. Smaller breweries don't have the quality control, though. This is where I disagree. Smaller breweries intend their beer to be drank fresh. Right. And if we age their beer longer than they have the quality control, control, if they don't have a microbiologist on staff, if they don't have the right kind of things, their bottled beers might have some microbes in there that will spoil the beer. But if it's drank in the first six months, you're not going to notice. You're not going to detect it, right. So he had a good point that um, it's their fault for spoiling the beers. But I don't push it all on the brewery because – Especially large breweries, absolutely. If a big brewery like Dogfish Head or Stone or Sam Adams puts out a beer and and after a year and a half it's sour as hell, they failed. But a small brewery, after a year and a half they put out a beer that's sour, it's not so much something they can control. I I totally agree with you. I I completely agree with you on that point. All right. Great. Good. It's, It's good to end the show on an agreement. Absolutely. All right, so we're going to finish up with a little bit of Southampton. We have some cleanup beers, and I maybe if Heather's still downstairs, we'll get one more blind beer for the post-show. It'll be fun. All right, thanks, for everyone, for listening. Let us know how you thought about the blind tasting show. Greg and I had a tremendous amount of fun. Hopefully it carried it across to you guys, but we'd love to hear if you guys like the blind show or if you like a show where we can describe what we're tasting better because we've had some time to prep. Okay, one thing before we leave that I wanted to point out is that Corey... Our good friend Corey, our listener, said he wanted to help us do the multi the multi brew experiment. We're gonna do another craft beer radio multi brew experiment. You can go to our website and on the wiki there we'll have a link on the main website, but on the wiki there'll be a page for the multi brew experiment. We're discussing the style of beer to brew. We're thinking about doing a like single hop Maybe let people use different hops because of the hop shortage. So maybe we'll do a hop experiment instead of a multi-brew experiment. Maybe. But see, we, We're still discussing the whole thing. You know, I was talking to Jeff about brewing a beer for Craft Beer Radio and doing a, a, like a coffee porter or something like that. So maybe we can do something on those lines. We could go crazy. 
My my suggestion was to to take the um, the mild homebrew club winner from last year, the ones being brewed at Hartford and Hops, and I'll try to brew a mild because it's hard to brew a low alcohol, flavorful beer. See how that comes out. We could do that. We could do the same beer with different hoppings. Do you want something that's hard to do, or do you want something that's like awesome? Whoops, sorry. Do you want something the that's mild's like awesome. awesome? The mild's awesome. Or we could do a coffee beer where you can hide all your falls with coffee. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Well, you know, we're, it's a democracy. We're discussing it on the wiki. If you want to participate, add your name to the wiki under participants. Right now, it's just Greg and I and Corey. <laughs> on the discussion tab, we'll talk about the recipe and all that stuff. And we'll work this through and we'll try to get the next Craft Beer Radio multi brew experiment underway. It'll be fun. All right. See you again next. Well, baby's due in six days. Maybe so, we'll see you next time. <laughs> Maybe. If the baby likes Heather's stomach. If not, we'll see you as soon as possible. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. You can send us feedback to beer at craftbeerradio.com and feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. The opening and closing music was Out of Towners from the band St. Dragon and was found on the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Everybody loves the stars, we've been in a lot We will find a new place